0: The Nuggets get the win over the Warriors in a championship-caliber test, even without Jamal Murray and Draymond Green. The bench struggles a little bit. Jokic has a monster game, but also a not great one. And KCP's defense is incredible. We'll talk about all of it here on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making this your first listen. We appreciate you guys being with us on whatever platform that you're on. You might be on Apple Podcasts, just listening in the car. Hey, when you when you get to work or home. Go to the Apple page and give us a five-star review. It helps us out a ton. Maybe you're listening to us on YouTube. Catching a live show with folks like Tyson, who says, catching a live stream today, also dropping the first like. Thank you, Tyson. Appreciate that from you. Uh, also, Trap who says, love the solo map pods. Man, thank you so much. Th- thanks, man. Uh, appreciate you guys being with us on whatever platform that you've chosen. If you do want to support the show, go to YouTube.com slash LockedOnNuggets. Like and subscribe. Lots of ways to support us. We appreciate you guys being part of the community. Hope your Thursday is going great after the Nuggets get the win over the Golden State Warriors 108-105. We'll talk about all of it today. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at JaceMedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medicalcom uh, on today's show, we will talk about the, how the Nuggets toppled the Warriors in a, a wild, really fun, really good, bad game, I think is what I would call it. Uh, we'll talk about what it means for them to be 9-1. and one. Uh, We'll talk about, for, or 8-1, and one, I think, rather. Uh, we'll talk about how they got there. We'll talk about the bench and why, hey, maybe it's a little bit early for to be like, oh, yeah, the bench is fine. Like, "Mm, it depends on who you're playing. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, We'll talk about Reggie Jackson, his capability and what he's shown with the Nuggets, all that and more, as well as we'll talk about how the Nuggets finally get a little bit of a respite from an absolutely brutal schedule. Lots to get to on today's show. Let's start here. Uh, Apologies that this show is late. Uh, So eight o'clock start means that I didn't get done at the arena with Nikola Jokic's postgame post game presser until midnight. And then I live in North Colorado NoCo, no co. And so it takes me an hour to get home. And so that means that I didn't get home until 1am. So I was a very sleepy panda this morning and had to get caught up because I'm the body does not snap back at 42. Like it did when I started doing this at 25, uh, does not do that the way that I, I used to. Um, so appreciate you guys being patient with us as we record this on a Thursday afternoon. All right, let's start here. Um, Nuggets game atmosphere was great. You know, no Draymond, no Jamal. So you kind of have this like balance out where the Nuggets are missing a key offensive component and the Warriors are missing a key component really honestly on both ends. I would also kind of suggest that in this one, not having Jamal Hurts on the defensive end because it meant more minutes for Colin Gillespie, who is just frankly too small to handle the lineup of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And the Warriors very smartly made sure that Steph and Clay got some minutes versus uh, Colin Gillespie. And Colin did okay, but long term, that's probably not sustainable. Jamal's absence was felt not only on the offensive end, but I felt on the defensive end with them trying to go ahead and navigate around all of those screens. That said, Nuggets did a really good job defensively in this one. It starts with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who picks up another defensive player of the game chain. Uh, He's going to need an entire closet in what I'm sure is a very large house for him to contain those. Nuggets hauled the Warriors to a 108.2 offensive rating. That's 41st percentile in the the clean-the-glass database. Nuggets only put up a 110.3. They did not shoot well in this game. They didn't play great in this game. They didn't do like almost anything in this game to the best of their abilities. Um, This was, I felt, if we balance out how good the defense was and we balance out how rough the offense was, this was probably a C plus B minus game for Denver, depending on how you land. Now, that doesn't mean that like, hey, the Warriors played their A game, right? I don't think this was an A game from the Warriors either. And that's okay. It's not always going to be like best of the best in these matchups. But what I did think is I thought the Warriors were motivated to get the win. They were in a good spot to get the win. They pushed, they got a lead late and the Nuggets were still able to go ahead and come back and win this game. Um, Did take a a little bit of stress. Uh, Not only with Nikola Jokic missing clutching free throws late in the game, um, but Reggie Jackson missing one of the icer free throws to allow it to be a three-point game. Steph Curry gets the rebound, whips it to Klay Thompson, but Clay Thompson can't handle it and throws up an air ball uh, for the Nuggets to win by three. The air in the arena, when Clay Thompson caught that ball, it was like all of the air got sucked in at once. And then there was the sigh of relief after, as the Nuggets get the win when Clay Thompson is not able to get it done. Um, KCP, look. The KCP's always been a really good defender. He's he's made his mark on that. And he's played at an all-defense level this season. Um, there's a very small likelihood that he's gonna wind up getting a selection. The reason I'll say that is it is hard for perimeter guys to get the kind of respect that they deserve. Like Alex Caruso is amazing and doesn't get the respect that he deserves. I'm not high on OG Ananobi as an overall player, but he is an incredible perimeter defender. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Drew Holiday for years was the best defender in the NBA and was never mentioned for DPOI. Never, like never, because it's hard for perimeter guys to make the kind of impact that shows up in the box score or honestly in net rating and so, or defensive rating. And so KCP is probably not going to get there, but he deserves it. He's been phenomenal. Uh, lock and trail and switch off coverages last night were clean. And a lot of that gets into, you know, Aaron Gordon has built such a great chemistry with with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, where they know where each other's going to be, and they have that three man game. And we've talked about it. KCP and Aaron Gordon have developed a defensive chemistry that deserves a lot of credit, and it was phenomenal last season when Bruce Brown was on the floor as well. Those three really vibe together. But in a game like this, the key component is that KCP can lock and trail, which means just chasing. Uh, Steph over screens on like six of seven, but Steph's always going to have those moments where he doesn't, or they'll stop and then they'll reroute and they'll run a fake screen and those type of things. And those, that's where you have to have absolutely perfect communication. You have to communicate to the other person guarding to make sure that all of that, those communicative communication elements are there. And Aaron Gordon, if you go back and you'll watch, you will see so consistently KCP and Aaron communicating On those switches to make sure that, hey, KCP is like, all right, he's going to cut here. I can't get back there. You're going to have to pick him up. Oh, he's cutting back. And then Aaron's calling out, you know, Veer He's coming back the other way. And KCP picks him up again. There was good communication with MPJ. There was good communication with Nikola Jokic. Everybody communicated really well in order to hold Steph Curry uh, last night one of the absolute best scorers in the NBA, obviously the best shooter of all time to just 23 points on six of 17 shooting six of 17. Now he shot six of 13 from three because he's Steph F and Curry. And that's what's going to happen. And there's really no way to prevent it because you can play great defense on of the 60 possessions that he plays. You can play great defense for 52 of them. And on the eight of them, he's going to make 50%. And that's just who Steph is, you know, and some of these were like, Aaron was right there, knocked it down like Jokic is in his grill, knocked it down. They did an absolutely phenomenal job um, of doing all of those types of things. And disrupting passes is also a key part of it. I'll also say this. Um, you can pick up steals and deflections just by challenging on ball stuff and ISO. Cause you're the one getting targeted. Like Harden has been a high deflection guy over the years. You know why? Cause teams like to go at him. And so he gets a lot of deflections based off of quick hands to try and deter them and force them to pass out. Um, last night, KCP with another steal in this game like no blocks just one steal it's all he winds up with now AG winds up with three steals and a block for four MPJ winds up two blocks on absolutely huge plays which we'll talk about in the second segment but in general, um, what really needs to be kind of stressed here is the the communication that occurs on the offensive end and how those guys all know how to play together with the starting unit, it has extended to the defensive side. Also want to give credit, Michael Malone mentioned that he's done this before where he'll have Nikola Jokic switch off late onto somebody else. When they had Jokic guarding CP3, those are plays that the people that love to drag out the uh, pickle roll stuff on Jokic are never going to comment on. That like. They guarded Chris Paul with Nikola Jokic late so that the Warriors could not generate screen action with Kavon Looney, Steph Curry, and force Jokic into switches. They put him on Chris Paul, so then they swung the ball at Chris Paul, and Jokic immediately swarmed him because it's not like an entire action of navigating the screen. It's an ISO, and Jokic knows if I blitz him here on the baseline, they're going to have to reset, and that's what happened. And like those little things are coaching adjustments the staff has made to throw different looks at him. I asked, you know, I asked Mullen pregame to kind of talk about and say talk about because that's a sin, but I asked him to kind of describe what's the challenge of communicating the switches versus the lock and trail stuff. Uh, And he didn't give me an answer. He just didn't give me an answer. He instead tried to focus on like Um, how it takes, you have to throw Curry different looks and it's accurate. And they did that right. Where sometimes you switch it completely. They switched Jokic onto Steph every now and again. And the reason you do that is you don't want him getting used to lock and trail or help side recovery doubles uh blitzes you don't ever want to show stuff the same kind of thing because once he gets comfortable in it he starts to eat and you saw that a little bit in the fourth quarter with how often they got kavan looney on the short roll with the, the lob to kaminga big credit to kavan looney by the way those sequences looked very easy they are not use of nurkic has never been able to do that and that's a big reason why the blazers were not able to get out of the second round most seasons is nurkic's inability to operate on the short roll And that's not Nurk's fault, to be perfectly honest with you. Most centers can't do that. So Kavon's ability to take those short rolls and punish them, forced the Nuggets to be like, all right, we showed him a different luck with two on ball. Now we're going to have to change up and go a different route. And the Nuggets kept enough different actions on Steph to get this kind of defensive performance. And that's what won them the game. Up next, I want to talk about the bench. Later on, we'll talk about Nikola Jokic and what was a really weird, weird, fascinating game and a quandary of how fans look at shots versus what maybe the reality is. We'll do that coming up in just a sec. Right now, I want to tell you about eBay Motors. You know, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd. Josh is phenomenal. Shout out my guy, um, Rob, who's the father of one of my son's best friends and who listens to Josh Lloyd every single week. I get so many comments from people about, oh, I love you on Locked On. I listen to Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh is the man, and he has teamed up with eBay Motors to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, each week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Bismack Biombo, who the Memphis Grizzlies picked up. With Xavier Tillman now dealing with knee soreness, Biombo could keep getting starts and bring boards and blocks to your fantasy team. He's going to have to because Memphis doesn't have any friggin' bigs. There's no bigs left on Memphis's roster. Uh, Bismack is starting. Not surprised by that. The results have been pretty good. They lost the heat last night, but they've been more decent now that they added, you know, a legitimate big man and that the third big man is not David Roddy at 6'4". So Bismack Biombo, I think is a great addition that Josh has mentioned here on the eBay motors selections for the week, the fantasy picks of the week. Josh Lloyd from fantasy basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship and eBay motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. Uh, my dream ride honestly is to get a truck just like i had when i was in college i drove a dakota and like eventually when my kids are out of the house and i no longer have to be ferrying people to basketball games and soccer games and down to the park to play pokemon go uh i'm gonna get myself a pickup truck again i'm probably gonna do it on ebay motors with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly they've got brake kits led headlights roof rack bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay's guaranteed fit It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. A little bit of a news note. After Adam and I basically said we expect Jamal Murray to miss about a month with uh, his hamstring strain. Talk about potential re- return for the in-season tournament should Denver make it. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski me- reports he's going to miss the rest of the month uh, don't take that as a hard timeline. If Jamal's not ready. And from a conditioning standpoint, it may take a week or two after if he's raring to go, maybe he heals a little bit faster and they let him go again. Uh, he was out on the court by the way, last night rebounding for Aaron Gordon, which I thought was interesting. He just wants to be out there. That's how much Jamal loves hoop, but they're going to have to get through the stretch without him. And after such a promising performance versus the Pelicans in which Julian Strother has, A phenomenal game and a career high, and it all looks good, and everything's going great, and everyone feels good about the bench. Last (laughs) night was rough. Julian Strother goes minus 12 in eight minutes, 0 of 1 from the field, one rebound, two fouls in this one. Uh, Christian Brown, who scores four points, is a minus eight, goes one of three from the field, does hit a three, which is good, and got a free throw. Had two boards, two assists, so like he contributed in various ways. Gillespie goes minus nine for just three points, uh, Just one assist, play okay defense, but didn't really bring anything on offense. And Peyton Watson uh, goes for just two points on one dunk, minus eight uh, in the box score. Rough minutes, rough, rough minutes for the young guys last night. Let's talk about this for a second. So, most nights I think this bench unit is going to be a slight plus, net neutral, small minus. Like minus four is fine, right? And even honestly last night... um, You know, Zeke is minus three and 629. It wasn't a good matchup for him in general, and that's okay. Um, It's okay in general that the bench is going to be maybe a a small minus most nights because as we've talked about routinely, Nicole Jokic and the starters are going to be such a big positive. There will be nights like the Pelicans game where the bench is going to be a plus. And that's kind of the big key here is that like there's a variance factor that wasn't there the last two, three seasons with the Nuggets. The bench was a negative every game out. Like you never, you almost never got a positive night from the bench when it was Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, et cetera. At the same time, this is kind of an illustration of there are certain challenges where the rookies are going to have a really hard time. Like Julian Strother, Colin Gillespie etc. Even Christian Brown were pretty lost because of the Warriors movement. And that's honestly a lot of credit to how the Warriors coach because they were playing against the second unit, which was really good last night as it has been all season secret. The Warriors bench has been better than the starters. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Um, like Trace Jackson Davis had eight points and was a plus four. Jonathan Kaminga had 10 points was only four or 12 shooting, but was a plus nine because they were able to get stops. Um, and then uh, Pajemski was uh, a plus eight with 5.3 re- rebounds, two assists. Moody, I thought was really good with 10 points on four or seven shooting plus six for him. I thought Moody was really good in the limited minutes that he got last night. They still run motion offense and they still run a lot of the complex screen patterns that the starters run. And they have Chris Paul directing that traffic so that Chris is able to really dissect. As long as you've got guys moving, Chris Paul is going to find you like, Chris ain't Jokic, but Chris is a pretty great point guard still, especially at these kind of things where it's navigating and setting up an offense and taking advantage of mistakes. The Nuggets bench made a lot of mistakes last night, and that's to be expected for young guys. The key has kind of been that in the past, the veterans haven't made mistakes. They've just gotten beat. So the question is, would you rather have guys that play with more energy, effort, hustle, but are mistake prone, or would you rather have guys that are more solid, more sound, don't make mistakes that kill you, but also can't really convert tough shots or get higher energy plays or those type of things? Fans are always going to lean towards the latter, but there are situations in which you're going to need a different look, and that's why Michael Malone turned the two things last night. One, he staggered the starters to get them in more minutes in the second unit. Aaron Gordon played at the five. Somebody mentioned that Jokic staggered a little bit. Some of that is because basically you couldn't play certain lineups, so everything got a little weird. Like last night was a very different rotation chart than what they normally do. You can check out Ryan Blackburn's nightly charting for kind of proof of that, that they switched up things pretty considerably, which also shows you they wanted to win this game. You know, last game before a three-day break, Warriors, National TV, this was an opportunity for the Nuggets to kind of tailor their approach to the opponent. And it's really pretty good. I think that they're in a place where they can do that. Um, I asked Reggie Jackson a little bit about like playing the Warriors last night and he said something interesting. He said, most of the time in the regular season, you just try and play and work on your principles. Like the things that you do, that's what you want to work on. But there are certain teams that if you want to get the win, you're going to have to approach it from a scheme perspective. And Denver did that last night. Denver changed what they did to counter a little bit more of the Warriors. They played starters in various staggered minutes without necessarily playing them. Like didn't play them playoff minutes here. Like Yoke goes 36, 37 minutes. That's okay. 36 and a half is okay for the last game before a three-day break. Michael Porter goes 37 minutes. Again, high But it's okay before a three day break. KCP goes 35 and Aaron goes 34. That's okay. But that's all okay for what they wanted to accomplish, especially without Jamal, who you're going to have to like piece together various minutes for. But I think it's good that the Nuggets didn't like go all out and throw a bunch of of janky stuff. Like this wasn't gimmicking to try and get a win over the Warriors. They respected Golden State. They want to protect home court. They're eight and one and want to keep it rolling. And they did what they needed to do to win this game. That's how basketball should work. Like, this is how the NBA should be. We're like, you run your normal rotations versus the Pelicans and average to pretty good team if they're healthy. Versus the Warriors, you should have to pull out some of the extra stops. And the Warriors should have to try and change up things, which they did as well to try and disrupt Denver and did so pretty effectively. So I want to give credit to Justin Holiday, who was ready, came in and gave good minutes. Now, look, I don't want to go overboard here. Here's one of two eight minutes, three points, three boards, the stability though, of what he was able to do on the defensive end. There were several sequences where they challenged him and he was able to contain and MPJ got two blocks off of his ISO defense, forcing them to pull up and 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 MPJ came from the weak side. He also was able to navigate those screens because he just knows more. He knows how to communicate them. And he's seen them before and having a guy that you can turn to on the bench like that is good. Um, it shouldn't be Julian Strother versus Justin holiday. It should be, Julian Strother, sometimes Justin Holiday when needed. Like, that's how our, a rotation should work versus the kind of battles that have waged online about who should be and not be in various rotations because they were viable or not viable or would fix or would not fix the bench. And that's another strength of, of how this overall Nuggets team looks. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about Nicole Jokic and what it was a weird night. So, the Nuggets couldn't make anything inside. Like, AG missed a wide open dunk. That was crazy. Um, The Nuggets in in general really struggled in this game shooting at the rim, which obviously not exactly a weakness for this team. This team is elite at the rim. They create open dunks, open layups, and Jokic hits every floater known to man, which is why I thought it was very interesting that um, they shot 17 of 34 in the restricted area last night. They improved from halftime, where they were absolutely wretched in the paint. Um, they did wind up in the second half in this game, fixed a lot of their first half problems, and they went six of eight in the paint in the second half, nine of 14 from the restricted in the restricted area. So they got that kind of fixed in the second half, um, at least well enough to be able to go ahead and um, and get these things kind of solved. I would will note though, and I was talking to Ryan Blackburn about this at half about how it's interesting. If you're a Nuggets fan, you look at that first half and really much of this game offensively, and you go, "The Nuggets just missed shots they'll usually make," and like that was Ryan's assertion because that's like, it's very that's a very Ryan take, right? But if you're a Warriors fan, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna say, "No man, like Kevon Looney's a really good defender," and like, yeah, Jokic is having an off night. But we did a really good job of crowding the paint. And I thought the Warriors did. They sent multiple defenders at Yoke right at the moment when he was trying to shoot and put up multiple hands to not let him get spin arounds or easy stuff. He still got there because Nikola Jokic is, as we've talked about, pretty consistently on the show. Don't feel like we've shortchanged Joker. Uh, Joker's the best player alive. And he scored 35 points on 14 of 25 shooting. He scored 35 points with 13 boards, 5 assists on 14 of 25 shooting, including, mind you, 13 of 17 from two point range, and I didn't think that Joker played well. He took eight threes, and we were just kind of joking about like he's gonna keep taking them until he makes one, and he does that. And that's like just what Joker is. Also, I don't blame Joker for trying to space out the floor because every time that Joker and Kavon Looney collided, I winced because it was like two kaiju banging into each other over Tokyo. It was insane like it was incredible the amount of force that those two put into each other. It was so much physicality. And it was really fun to watch, but it was also like god, I don't blame Joker for taking a handful of threes. Um and it was an ugly game. And so if you're if you're a Nuggets fan and you're just like, well, we're going to you know, we're not going to shoot like that again. Fair enough. Fair enough. The Warriors were 31% from three point range, 11 of 35 from 3, including Clay Thompson who was 2 of 8 counting the last uh, second heave. Andrew Wiggins, 0 of 3. Dario Saric, 0 of 3. Chris Paul, 1 of 4 from 3-point range. If you're a Warriors fan, you're saying, no, we're going to make more threes next time. We just missed shots that we can make. And if you're a Nuggets fan, you're saying, no, man, our 3-point defense was great in this game. We closed out on shooters. Like, this is always the battle that kind of occurs. And the reality is it's probably a little bit of both. The Nuggets, I think, missed some easy, easy shots inside. The Warriors also played really good defense. This is a really good defensive team, better defensively than offensively, in my estimation, even without Draymond, which is a real credit to what Kevon Looney brought to the table. But this is a really great game. And it's another example of how Denver, this team, is a more complete team. Um, Their offense will get there. I know it will. And honestly, it's already there. They're a top five offense. They're a top five half court offense. They weren't last season. Their transition stuff will improve and they'll get out there, too. This 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 team will get better, I think, offensively as the season goes on, which is scary given how good they already are, you know, barring injuries. Sometimes teams don't. Um, But defensively, this is a really solid team. And it's not necessarily a case of outlier shooting, in my opinion, early. I'll have to look at some of the data, but that's really promising for the Nuggets outlook over the long term of the season. Up next, I want to talk about Reggie Jackson. We'll talk about uh, what he's brought to the table and how great it is to see that from Jackson for the Nuggets. We'll also get to a little bit and talk about how the Nuggets have earned a very have, have, it's a very hard-earned break before they pick up games again on Sunday. We'll talk about that on the other side on Locked on Nuggets. You know, we hang out here all throughout the week. We're here with you five days a week here on Locked on Nuggets. We get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts and who sits. And I'm thankful for that connection that we have. And today I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on extended travel, bring on your next natural disaster or supply chain issue, and you're covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or Rivatio prescription. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues have caused me to cut pills in half just to have it. And I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered the antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, just go to JaceMedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON. For $20 off at purchase. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Thursday. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning as well. Reggie Jackson last night, man, what a game! What a game for Reggie. Uh, Reggie Jackson goes eight of seventeen from the field for twenty points. He's the second leading scorer for the Nuggets. Three of seven from three. He racks up six dimes. He has five fouls, but he was battling and trying to stay within range of people, and was a plus twelve in the box score. Absolutely phenomenal job by Reggie Jackson. He's had a great season. Uh, Reggie's always great on in interviews post game, and he, no, last night was no exception. He talked about playing with Nikola Jokic and how like people will will cheer and tell him he's doing great and so often he's like I didn't do anything, Joker did it. Uh and he just thinks that that's really incredible. I want to really stress this. Reggie wants this to work. Reggie Jackson wants to be a Denver Nugget. He wants to play with this team. He wants to play in with Nikola Jokic and these guys on this team. And while Absolutely. I think winning the championship made it absolutely worth it. Right. You know, and he talked about like, I lost my spotlight. I had a hard time adjusting. I lost my rotation spot last year. That was tough, but I'm not complaining. I got a ring. And like that kind of humility and self-awareness I think is really endearing. And it makes Reggie Jackson to be, I think, a player that needs to be on this roster because you want guys to understand how good they have it. I, I don't want to make this a bones thing. I think it's unfair to like put bones in this light. Bones has career aspirations and he's going to get to pursue them with the Clippers. It's just that you do want guys that are completely bought in and understanding of what makes Denver unique. Okay. You can go places and you can have pretty large roles. You know, if you ask like, Hey, will you trade me to Charlotte? You- you'll have pretty guard good role. Cause Charlotte doesn't have that many good players. I was told they did. I bet the over because they did. That's going to work out badly. Um, if you, you know, Tyus Jones is a good example of this. Tyus Jones is like looking for a starting job and wants a big contract. Tyus Jones has the third worst overall raw plus minus in the league right now. That's not Tyus's fault, right? But he's on the Wizards in part because Memphis knew, hey, this guy's going to want to get paid. We got to put him somewhere where he can have the opportunity to get paid because we're also not going to be in a position to do it. And now, like, Tyus is on what's probably the worst team in the league. Wes Unseld's probably not long for that job, unfortunately. Wes Unseld Jr. Um, Reggie's just uh, is really great for understanding where it happens. This is a good point from Hurricane. He says, Reggie's 10 years further in his career than Bones. It happens. That's a really good point. Because, like, Reggie Jackson wanted to be a guy in OKC, right? And, like, they had a lot of tension over some of Reggie's stuff there. I also think it was a culture fit, a personality fit. And maybe Reggie would do better if he got in a place like Denver. But still, that's a really good perspective. Um, Jackson's been perfect so far. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Now, he may have a really rough next game. You know, he's not going to be. Reggie's consistency is not going to be the same as Jamal's. Even if Jamal has not been all-star caliber this season, like people were hoping, Jamal's pretty consistent every night. He's not going to give you 10 points on most nights. Like, almost every night, Jamal's going to get you over 10 points, and he's going to get you well over, at this point, well over six assists. He's been killing it with diming. Um Reggie also I will say this he is willing and able to take the late shot clock shots and he will make a fair amount of them it's one of the reasons why the Clippers fans uh, had nicknamed him big government because he always bails you out and honestly Denver needs like a little bit of that because Denver works so hard at creating good possessions that there were times last night where those things dried up and Jackson just had to make a shot and he'll make some shots and having those guys again I think is really valuable. So, props to Reggie Jackson for a really good game and a big spot. Okay. Uh, the Nuggets have earned a respite. They are off three days, mercifully. Finally, the Never Nuggets uh, do not have to play. Uh, like Malone's been joking about it in pregames. He's like seven and nine, nine and 11, 11 and 14. Like, it's ridiculous how much the Nuggets have had to play. Now I do think that there's some value to this where it's like, okay, they played really hard. They got off to a really good start and now they can kind of, they are injured with Jamal, but now they can kind of gear down and get a more normal schedule. I think that that's a, like a pretty good thing. Um Denver does not play again um until Sunday when they play the Houston Rockets. Um And That's honestly going to be a really interesting game. If we're being, if I'm being real here, the Rockets are playing pretty good basketball. They play the Rockets, I think three times in three weeks. Those games are gonna be tougher than you think. They knocked off the Lakers last night. Houston will still have trouble with Denver because Denver is the best team in the league. But um, those the games be prepared for them not to be the walkover that they were. I'm also not gonna be surprised if it's a little bit of a letdown spot after the Warriors game, after the Pelicans game, after the Mavericks game, after the Wolves game etc like this is a little bit of a letdown um but yeah they play on sunday and then they're into a nice every day or every two days schedule here for a while and that'll be i think good for the nuggets to get sell in there's still gonna be a lot of basketball but they'll have some more more breaks built in for them to be able to actually get a little bit of rest um they don't have another back-to-back here until november 27th at the clippers after playing san antonio at home so that's good too they're not playing these three and four back-to-back sets. It's not four and five. That's really good as well. Um, They do have games on the 26th and 27th, and then first and second. They play back-to-back at Suns, at Kings, first road back-to-back for the Nuggets this season. But things kind of calm down a little bit. The other thing I noticed this morning on a league-wide thing is that because of the in-season tournament, it's pretty great. What you have is um, these nights where everybody is on back-to-backs and three and fours on, like, Mondays or or Wednesdays or Saturdays. And then Tuesdays and Fridays, nobody is. And they've built in rest so that everybody can – we have these nights coming where – and last night was actually one on a Wednesday where, like, everybody's rested and all the games are pretty good. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, Rob says, 9-4 and over the next 13 would be really solid with 11 on the road. 8-5 and would be acceptable. That's what will be interesting is, like, all right, Denver's been dominant at home. Last year they really struggled on the road. Are they going to continue? Are they going to improve that as well? Like That's a really interesting question to me. Like, if they're going to hit 60 wins, which I think is possible at this point, uh, my under dead as a the doornail, then it's going to require them being better on the road. They're, you know, look, their first road game, not first road game, first road game? One of the first road games, the Wolves game, they lost. So, like, they're going to lose way more on the road than they do at home. They won't win every game that like they have so far at home. But... I still think there's a possibility for them to be better. And if they get into a rhythm and they're just kind of chugging along, they're really going to be able to rack up a lot of wins and secure a one seed. And maybe, maybe, maybe be able to coast a little bit. Of course, we got plot twists and a long way to go before then. And we'll have a cover for you here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow with another show. Make sure to like, review, subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Take a second, support the show. Uh, Let us know what you think at Locked on Nuggets. I'll see you guys again next time here on Locked on Nuggets.